Come down on time at the airport. Introducing the ultimate airport experience by Menasha Sofer's airport service. It's the first of its kind. The VIP meet and assist shuttle guarantees a completely stress-free traveling experience to and from Ben-Gurion International Airport. Online at www.msoferairport.com. Tell them you heard about it here at Israel National Radio. Speed and service. msoferairport.com. M-S-O-P-H-E-R airport.com. Shalom and welcome to all of you lovers of Hashem, His Torah, and Israel. This is great to be here. This is the Noahide Nation Show. I'm your co-host, Ray Patterson, and I'd like to welcome in my co-host, Adam Penrod. Adam, how are you doing today? Thank you, and here Ray and I are bringing you a burning fist of truth today. I can guarantee it won't hurt, though. <laughs> <laughs> we do have a, a real exciting show, though. I, I'm uh, ecstatic about the guest uh, that we have, you know, so much so I'm, I'm, I'm jumping out of my skin here uh, waiting for it because this guest today is a, a very important man in the Noahide movement from the standpoint of teaching, shall I say, idolaters, people who do not believe in the one true creator of all things. He goes out and teaches these folks Torah, and many, many of these folks have come over to the side of Torah and actually become highly committed Noahides. This gentleman is is very kind. In fact, he just, uh, he, he calls himself just a Jew, and he's very, very humble, and what he does reminds me, Adam, so much of Avraham. Avraham, the, the sages write about his greatness, and, and part of that greatness was not only did he figure his way out of idolatry, but Avraham went out and taught others who were caught up in idolatry the truth, and in essence, changed their lives, or if you will, converted them from idolatry to worshiping the one true creator. And this was actually something that caused Hashem to select Avraham and his children, his, his family line, if you will, for, because he says that, you know, I know that you will, you know, teach your children your household after you. Another interesting thing is that we're told that Avraham made souls, right? Right, And, you know, the, the rabbis get really big into the What does it mean, uh, the, the number of souls Avraham? What, is, what does it mean he made souls? So... This is a very, very interesting uh, item here, and, uh, and uh, Sam is certainly participating in that work, I believe. Well, of course, we all know from uh, studying that we've done that obviously Avraham is one of the pillars of Judaism. So it, it's no small thing that Sam does what he does, and we're going to find out a little bit more about Sam today and, and how he does what he does and does it successfully. But before we get there, I want to remind everyone, a little housekeeping here, that we definitely love your emails. I know we're not able to get responses to everyone in as timely a fashion as we would like, but I'm going to go ahead and give that email out right now so that you can continue doing it because we will eventually get to them, I promise. And that email is noahide at israelnationalradio.com. And, of course, if you're, um, if you're listening, you know that you're listening to israelnationalradio.com right now. This is where you can find our, our shows, both the present and the past shows. Future shows you may not be able to find yet because we can't engage in time travel yet. But 
you can come to the site in the future to find new shows. Yeah, we're still working out the, the time travel thing. The, the, there's something wrong with the on-off switch. I, I can't <laughs> figure it out, but we'll, we'll figure it out, and we'll let you know. But in the meantime, let's bring on a, a, a very dear friend of uh, both Adam and I, uh, Mr. Sam Peake. Sam, come on in here. How you doing? Uh, shalom alaikum. I'm doing just fine, Baruch Hashem. And uh, after such a build-up, Ray, I'm, I, maybe my head's so big I can't uh, find my ear. Well, <laughs> uh, Sam, you're going to do fine. In fact, that kind of reminds me of the movie Jaws. Uh, I, you know, the build-up was so extreme, and I went into this movie thinking how great this thing's going to be, and I left there just sad that it wasn't. Yeah, so let's, let's hope that doesn't happen here. Oh, I'm sure it won't. I'm sure it won't. But anyway, Sam, as I was mentioning, uh, in the no-hide movement, you are you know, unquestionably one of the people in a very humble and low-profile way that has a great deal of impact, particularly in bringing no-hides on board because of your, your teaching of Torah. And first of all, just so the audience can kind of get to know you a little bit. Uh, were you born a Jew, or did you convert to Judaism? How, t- tell us about well, that. Well, you know my background is, is a little bit colorful. Yes, uh, I we do. Won't go, we <laughs> won't go into all of it. Let's, uh, let's move that question quickly, just in the, in the sense of the short explanation is I was, I'm ethnically a Jew. My, my family was Jewish. Uh, my, I have a Yiddish mama. Uh, however, my father and an uncle of mine did a one-generational jump into Christianity uh, and then encouraged me to, to uh, go back to Judaism, if you can understand that. Anyway, so I, I'm a little bit of both. Uh, of course, born a Jew, absolutely, ethnically a Jew. But uh, did I return to Judaism in much the same way as uh, somebody who would convert? That also is true. Okay, that's very uh, interesting because then yeah. it even makes uh, yeah, your but this story. Is, look, this is the finger of God. All of that actually oh, yeah. prepared me to be able to do some of the things that I've been able to do Absolutely. over the years by being able to uh, to know where Christians are coming from and being able to speak their language in a sense, and also being able to speak the language of the sages. You know, so. Uh, it's 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 been helpful in a lot of ways. It, it, it really has. Speaking of the sages, how, how long have you been studying Torah? Uh, you've you've made this turnaround. Uh, you know, you've you've your way back into Judaism, made a return. Uh, how long have you been studying Torah? Well, uh, actually, studying Torah about for about forty years, uh, a long time. <laughs> At least to me, it seems like a long time. Well, and that uh, uh, is is quite a while, and it just yeah. uh, it makes me you know, just hearing about this little sidebar note of your journey reminds me even more of Abraham, who guess what yeah. came out of idolatry as well. So, right, absolutely. I mean, absolutely. it's uh, uh, an amazing thing, and I was a little unprepared for that, but it certainly makes the story a little bit better. <laughs> so, <laughs> now, I didn't I didn't mean to uh, shock you. Uh, it, it's just uh, that that is. That is the background, and uh, I mean, we could talk about this for for a few days. Oh actually. yeah, oh yeah. Uh, because my my trip back to being a Torah observant Jew is uh, is a very interesting trip. But uh, we just make a long story short and say that uh, you know even those those two main figures in the family that converted to, to Christianity, uh, they actually were the driving force and the encouragement for me to return to Judaism, which is a also an interesting thing. And uh, Hashem worked it out. Hashem worked it out. Great. Well, and, he, he always, always does. does. He always yeah. does. 
Now, we, we have an idea of how long you've been studying Torah. Now, how long have you been teaching Torah? Studying Torah, I have to say, for about 40 years. Uh, some of that off and on. Some of that, uh, you know, I, I had other ideas and decided I didn't want to do uh, what Hashem would probably like for me to do or what he has me doing. But as far as teaching Torah, uh, about 20 years, uh, right, right about 20. 20 years, and you're still going strong. Uh, I mean, I, I, I don't know I'm when... I'm still going. I, <laughs> I hope it's strong. I'm not sure. Do you sleep? I mean... I, Actually, no. <laughs> I've been meaning to ask you that because uh, every time I, I call you, you're you're always available, and uh, when you're not available, it's only because you're teaching. And it suddenly occurred to me: I wonder if Sam actually sleeps. It's only early in the morning that I'm a zombie. Uh, the rest of the time, I'm okay. But no, uh, you know, no, not not too much. Uh, that in, in and of itself, you might be surprised at. Uh, Torah scholars uh, around the world and, and nice rabbis and uh, really, really righteous people <laughs> who aren't sleeping these days. And uh, this, this to me is just a, a sign of the times of, uh, of uh, what is ahead of us and, uh, and what's going on in the world right now. Well, life is definitely active for you and, and for the rabbis and for all of us, and it's becoming more and more active. Now, yeah. let me ask you, um, in teaching these classes, what is the makeup of your classes? What is the... Uh, um, what kind of people come? Is it a fairly eclectic group? Is it you know who 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 are the people who well, will come and listen to Sam Peak? Okay, well first, I mean, if, if we're going to talk uh, in a contemporary way, it includes uh, lots of different people. I mean, uh, if, if we go back twenty years ago when I first started, the makeup of the majority of classes were Christian people who were interested. The only real reason they were interested in Judaism or in the in the study of the sages was because of the Jewish roots movement within uh, Christianity. Uh, that, has, that has produced a lot of things, and, and I don't speak in a negative way about it, because it has actually produced a lot of things, one of them, I think, being uh, the core of the B'nai Noach movement, of, uh, of people uh, who were involved in Christianity, and that was the, the background of their families. And uh, they began to study, whether it was in Jewish roots movements or whether it came through some other direction, they they really begin to study Torah and and that and that effect will have that will have one of two effects one, one thing many people in those kind of situations in those kind of classes they will either continue to interpret everything the sages are telling them from uh, from their Christian perspective and try to fit everything in or they will actually eventually come to the point where they realize that they they don't have the right set of definitions and they adopt and begin to learn what the, the, the sages from the oral Torah, the sages' definitions of things. And this is one of the things that changes them and brings them, I think, to the status of B'nai Noach, where they, where they really move to the idea of what it means to be B'nai Noach and completely change their status. Well, and, and this is so important. Uh, in fact, it's interesting. When Adam and I were talking about doing the uh, uh, interview with you and doing the show with you, it suddenly occurred to me, only by way of Adam mentioning it, is that his soon-to-be bride actually was a Christian who came to study with Sam Peake. Yes, this, this fine lady uh, studied with me since she was a little girl, uh, and uh, uh, she is a really, really fine person now, a really find uh, uh, B'nai Noach. I mean, she, she really is. Uh, and Adam, uh, you, I don't think you could do better. I really don't. She's really something. Oh, there's, there's no doubt about that. Because I, 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 I've looked. <laughs> I don't have to convince you. Okay. Back to, back to the rest of this question, though, you know, about whether the largest, largest percentage 
as Jews, Noahides, or Christian or Messianic. Uh, I have I have a number of completely number of totally different classes now, where some of the classes that I'm teaching are people who would still very much regard themselves as Christians. Others uh, that the majority of them in the class would be would certainly regard themselves now as Noahides. But Jewish people, I've had few I've had a few Jewish students through the years, and not so many, and I, and I wish more. This also is due to a whole number of factors, and, and we have to just uh, believe in the providence of Hashem that he's, he's working all that out. So I have a lot of different classes now, that, uh, and every one of them takes a, a different kind of touch, you know, it's, uh, it's not so easy. Well, and, and uh, I commend you on your uh, versatility, uh, I'll say. But uh, and, and I have to acknowledge you, Sam, because you've been uh, one of the Torah teachers in the Noahide Nation's Torah Learning Center for nearly a year now. And it's just remarkable. It's, it's an honor, and it's, a, of course, a, a huge blessing from Hashem because there's a lot of people who absolutely love your class and will not miss it. And it, it is a, a, a beautiful class, and it's great to, to have you as part of our uh, instructor team in the uh, Torah Learning Center. I'm kind of curious, uh, when you teach these classes or do a lecture, the largest percentage from the sounds of it started off as, as Christians and has now moved into uh, many, many different types of folks. Are you finding out at all that, your students are either converting to Judaism or becoming Noahides. Is is this a fair percentage of, of that you're that you're having? Oh yeah, the, actually, I hope more of them are becoming actually Noahides than converting to Judaism. But I but I also know of uh, not a few students who who have actually went all the way and uh, converted to Judaism. Uh, and I, I have mixed feelings about that, but. Uh, but I've come to figure out, you know, because uh, the Jews actually aren't actually uh, actively seeking converts to Judaism. Uh, and But I, so I have mixed feelings about that. But uh, I've come to learn that some people, some people uh, like uh, Ruth in the, in the Bible, they need to take this extra step. But uh, to be honest with you, it's, it's not necessary. <laughs> And uh, a lot, a lot of the people in my classes now, I, I think, are B'nai Noach, very, very much B'nai Noach. Well, and, and now that you bring this up, you, you say it's not necessary, and I really believe this is a, an important issue for the Noahides and for Christians as well. Why do, you, why do you say that, that it's not necessary to convert to Judaism? Well, it's, it's not necessary simply because uh, a conversion to Judaism, many... Here's the deal. Many people who, who get a hold of the truth of Torah and uh, the truth of the sages, and, and you have to understand when I say Torah, I, I don't mean it in some narrow sense as, as, most, as a lot of non-Jewish people think of it. I don't just mean the written five books of Moses. I mean all of the, all of the Tanakh and all of the oral Torah. This is the Torah. And, um, but many people, when they start to study, they, they still are bringing with them this idea that uh, they, have to, they have to be in some kind of special status or special group and able to be connected to Hashem and able to become close to Him. And mainly they're worrying about, you know, what's going to happen to them when they die and, and all of these other things that are coming from all different uh, areas. In fact, uh, usually, unfortunately, from idolatrous thinking. And uh, it's still with them. So they think they have to do this in order to, uh, to uh, make it, you know. 
Uh, and that's just that's just simply not true. The sages of Israel don't teach this at all. The difference is it's it's mainly because there is a difference, and I and I say this with all respect, and you need to understand this. Uh, there is a difference between Jewish and non-Jewish souls. It uh, and you'll hear some rabbis, and they 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 bother me a little bit because they don't completely explain the concept, and and some non-Jewish people can think in their heads, oh wow, it's it's not good that I'm that I'm not a Jew. That's not a good thing. Well, listen, what a what a slap in the face to Hashem. He, you know, right, like right. he doesn't know what he's doing, like right. he's a bad manager. <laughs> uh, and uh, so a real slap in the face to him. And we have to sit down and we have to, to really think these things through. And, and I wish rabbis would be a little bit better, and I'm not criticizing them. I'm just saying this is something that we have to become conscious of. They have to do a little bit better of what they mean when they talk about the, that there's a qualitative difference between Jewish and non-Jewish souls. That quality that they're talking about doesn't mean a superior quality or an inferior quality. It's a quality of mission, as I understand it from the sages, of the mission of a soul. And the non-Jewish soul has a particular mission in the world that, that Hashem has put him here to fulfill. And the Jewish soul has a particular mission in the world that, he is, that Hashem has put us here to fulfill. Exactly. And uh, we need to get along, we need to get about uh, doing, doing the mission. That's, that's the thing. And it's not the, exactly the same mission. But one of us cannot exist without the other, because we can't do each other's jobs. And that, that really is the thing. So to connect with Hashem, you don't need to make a full conversion to Judaism, in my understanding. If that's what you absolutely have to have, then I tell you, go and, go and talk to a nice Orthodox rabbi and, and find one and, uh, and, and follow the path. But uh, if that's not what you absolutely have to have, then let's find out what your mission is. Let's find out what the light of the Torah can, what, what the Jewish people can bring to you to help you to understand that. Let's connect together. Let's get on about the business of, uh, of uh, finishing this world, you know. It seems like... Okay, I'll quit. It's, I'll let you get a word in. <laughs> it, it seems like a, a, a good uh, view of this, a good way to understand this, is uh, just looking at the Jewish people themselves, where you actually have different roles and mission, even within the Jewish people. Absolutely. You know, a, 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 the Kohen Gadol is right. is not. I mean, his the quality of his soul isn't isn't any greater than that of a of a regular Jew. But there is this difference. He has this role that Hashem expects of him, and and, and then you know, regular Jews have their role. Men and women. I just will explain this: is, is that everything has an inner aspect and an outer aspect. Yes. From the microcosm to the macrocosm, everything has an inner aspect and an outer aspect. The priesthood within Israel itself, the priesthood within the Jewish people, is that is the inner aspect with the Jewish people enclosing them. Okay, right. The, 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 with the with the nations, with the B'nai Noach of the world, it's the same thing. The Jewish people as a whole is the inner aspect, simply meaning that this is what their mission is: mm-hmm. is to bring the light of Hashem into the world. And then and the B'nai Noach are the outer aspect in that sense. It doesn't mean, and this is not, see, people think of these things as negatively, and they shouldn't think of these things negatively. Right. This is such a, this is such chutzpah to, th- <laughs> to think this, because, because we think Hashem doesn't know what he's doing. We honestly accuse him of being a bad manager. It seems, it seems and, like that uh, that's, that's where a lot of uh, world religions come from, is they, they develop out of, well, God doesn't really know what he's doing, so we're going to create right. our own religion. Exactly. And, and fix things. And this is, actually, this is a level of idolatry. Yes. It really is. Uh, speaking of idolatry, 
that that in and of itself, that that twisted way of thinking that Hashem doesn't know what he's doing and he's a bad manager of his creation, and uh, is is a is a uh, level of idolatry in and of itself. But back to this, the, so the Jewish people are the inner aspect to bring the light of Hashem into the world, and they can't do that though naked. If you understand what I'm saying, the the great Ramchal in his book Derek Hashem and his Sefer Derek Hashem. He explains this relationship very well, where he talks about the righteous from among the nations are like the clothes of the Jewish people when they're doing their job. It, we have to have clothes. I mean, uh, that. and what do clothes do? What, this, is, this is the same concept in Kabbalah that, that speaks of what is in clothing. If, if a concept encloses another concept, it serves and supports it. It protects it. It makes it possible for that inner aspect to do its job to do its mission. And that is the mission of the non-Jewish soul, is literally to make it possible, to make this world a place where it's possible for the Jewish people to do their job. And then and then we as the Jewish people have to step up to the plate and do our job. Now, you know, this this brings up a, a question. You actually talked about this or touched on it briefly, but bringing it back to this whole discussion, um, there is a little bit of, of, of uh, controversy within Judaism regarding interacting or doing outreach with uh, Christians so and messianics. Yes, there's there's always some sort of controversy over something. You know, we can. Uh, you know, if you if you've ever been in in, in Jerusalem and you want to find a good pla- a good kosher place to eat, well, uh, you know, uh, it depends on what you consider kosher. You have about <laughs> That's right. you know half a dozen to choose from. But um, right. But what what is the what is the controversy about doing outreach to Christians and messianics and Muslims and you know. And whatever else there is in the world, you know, Hindus and, and, and whatever. What is this? What is the controversy here? Not not trying to reach out to them and say, "Hey, you need to be Jewish," but reaching out to saying, "You know what? You need to keep the seven laws because this is something the Rambam said. There's, you know, that the Absolutely. Jews ought to be ought to be doing that." So, where does this controversy come from? Well, to psychoanalyze it, I'm I'm not sure I'm completely qualified to completely psychoanalyze the whole the whole thing, but it, I think it has to do more with suspicion and more with a, a real fear, because, you know, the track record of the Jewish people's interaction with the nations of the world has not been so good. And, and it really is, I think, based in, in that kind of thinking. You know, even, to be truthful with you, this, this whole idea of, of what it means for the Jewish people to be the light to the nations, meaning to bringing the light of Hashem, meaning to bring the light of the Torah to the nations, that's what it has to mean. But that whole idea, you know, in dispersion, in the Galut, we were so uh, unable to do this job that, honestly, without a strong state of Israel, without a strong homeland for the Jewish people, without this base, uh, without this level of protection, uh, I, I think the Jewish people have been somewhat exempt from having to do that, even though just by their lifestyle they did it anyway. Hey, uh, hey Sam, Sam, hold on for one second. I apologize, but we're really, we've bumped up uh, against this uh, break, and we oh, okay. have to let uh, uh, Israel National Radio pay a few bills, and sure. we do want to continue this discussion with you on the other side, so everyone, please stick with us. Uh, you're listening to the Noahide Nation Show right here on IsraelNationalRadio.com. Praying for 40 days straight at the Western Wall in Jerusalem is a famous Jewish practice. Many have made the pilgrimage to pray for marriage, income, children, or healing. Now you too can have a 40-day prayer. 
Western Wall Prayers will employ a full-time Torah student to pray on your behalf or on behalf of a loved one for 40 days straight at the Wall. If you need a special prayer, visit westernwallprayers.org. That's westernwallprayers.org. I'm Anne from IsraelGoneRaw.com, and I made Aliyah from the San Francisco area. I just love the virtual studio and IsraelNationalRadio.com. Hi, I'm Elisa. I made Aliyah a year ago, and mostly it was Israel National Radio that helped me along the way. So thanks to everyone at Israel National Radio, and the rest of you should be here too. You're listening to IsraelNationalRadio.com. Welcome back, everybody. It's good to have you here. I appreciate you sticking around because we've got a, just a special, special guest with us today, Mr. Sam Peake. Prior to the break, we were talking about the question of the controversy within the Jewish community of the whole idea of going out and teaching Christians or Messianics or, or whoever uh, in the community, and why does that controversy ex- exist? So, Sam, I want to you know, bring you back in and, and have you kind of uh, wrap that up to kind of give us a, a clearer understanding of that. Okay. Well, we were just talking about, you know, the the psychological some of the psychological reasons behind it being fear and uh, and and I don't want to say it but uh, sometimes after 2000 years in the galut and the in the exile it's not so easy for the jewish people to to uh, jump back into the saddle of their responsibility to the rest of the world another in other words what you're saying is it's hard to be a light into the nation when the people you're trying to be a light to is throwing buckets of water on you yeah, are shooting you. <laughs> you're right. Or, uh, yeah, I didn't want to go there, but uh, yes, yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know those kind of things. So that that's part of it. I, th- I think there's there's a lot of a lot of fear involved and a lot of suspicion on the part of uh, on the part of many Jews about uh, well, what is the what's the real motivation behind these non-Jews who are supposedly coming to Torah? This is something that it, it may take a generation literally to correct and it will be corrected i think on the part of b'nai noach by their dedication to torah and by and by their dedication to the people uh, to the jewish people and, and in helping and supporting them and which is also is not an easy thing to do uh, especially when sometimes we're pushing you away these are just things that simply they're that they're growing pains because we said we really have moved into a uh, i think a new era of things that's on the on the cusp of the redemption. I even have some great rabbis that I uh, learn from on a regular basis who say that we're, we have been in the, the redemption already. I mean, we're in that period already, and that these are growing pains. These are things that have to, have to take place. So Bezrat Hashem, with God's help, slowly, slowly, the rabbis will become more open to you and, and, um, and more involved in trying to uh, connect you to the people of Israel and in trying to teach you Torah. And you know, and you know that we just have a we have a long way to go. We've come a long way, but we have a long way. To go. And you know that that's certainly the case that we've actually you know the, the, you know the rabbis are more and more turning turning towards us. Um, I remember when I first got into this movement about twelve years ago, a lot of even Orthodox Jews didn't know what a Noahide was. Absolutely, and uh, much less non-Jews. You, you, it was like a rare treasure to find a Noahide anywhere. In fact, right. that that led me to create my the first ever Noahide joke. Ever in existence? <laughs> how how many Noahides does it take to screw in a light bulb? Oh gosh, I have no I, idea. I don't either. One. That's all we could find. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> and you would be hard pressed to find the one. It'd be exactly uh, yes. You'd yeah, very hard. We've come a long way, and 
And if anybody knows anything about the, about the Jewish people, you know you don't you you don't change the world overnight in a sense. Everything has to be questioned. Everything has to be thought through. Everything has to be worked through. And it's not an easy process. It's it's difficult. And you know, even the even the level of, among many many rabbis, uh, the Torah observant Jews, still, even though they may be aware of the of, certainly of the concept and the phenomenon of the Bnei Noach movement uh, uh, around the planet, they still don't necessarily know what the sages have said about the Bnei Noach, exactly how we are to respond to them, exactly what their place is, exactly what their status is, all of those things. But the more the rabbis study this, the more and the more. It will open. I, I I feel this with all my heart. So be patient and continue to be a good Bnei Noach and continue to learn Torah and come close to Hashem. Well, you know, as, as in your role as a teacher, given that you're you're teaching a very eclectic groupings of people, it sounds like. Uh, yeah. What what kind of Torah topics do you teach on? Do you find some are more helpful than others, or, or do you have a specific thing you're going, or is it a matter of interest at the time? What, what kind of topics are you teaching? Probably this question you shouldn't ask me because we can talk for a very long time, but I'll, let me try to make it very short. Okay. I, I have a feeling that talking to you, Sam, there are a lot of questions that we could talk for days yeah. and days on. And we do yeah. have a minute or two here, so you know, feel free to elaborate. Well, I'll just, I'll just hit the main point. After 20 years of teaching, and as I said, uh, of course, those audiences, especially in the early days, uh, were strongly Christian. After 20 years of these experiences, I finally came to the point where I thought to myself, because there was a phenomenon that was happening, some of the people in the classes, some of them were converting to Judaism. Some of them were becoming good B'nai Noach. And others of them remained staunchly Christian and then actually rejected, ended up rejecting, after years of study, ended up rejecting completely the truth of the Torah. And I have a number of reasons on uh, knowing why these things happen. But the main thing that hit me was, in spite of everything I was trying to do, the majority of the people in the class were still thinking in an idolatrous manner. And what do I mean by that? I don't necessarily mean that they were thinking of falling down and worshiping an idol or worshiping the concept of money or the concept of this or that. That's, that's not really what I mean. What I mean, and I think this is actually a key of what Avraham Avinu, our father Avraham, was trying to do uh, in the work that he did. To me, idolatrous thinking is actually thinking that there, that any force that there's any power in the universe that acts independently and separately from Hashem, as if you understand what I'm trying to say. It's a, this is a very this is an extremely high level of thinking, and it comes from uh, from a study of the Kabbalah. But I I was determined because when I when I would speak with rabbis and when I would learn with real Torah scholars and real tzaddikim, they all had that way of thinking that there's no power in the universe no matter what it is, that operates independently from Hashem and that, and that everything is coming to us from Him. But most people in classes aren't thinking in those ways. They're, they're really thinking like, like there are forces in the universe that act on their own, that are almost as powerful as Hashem, that can do whatever they want to. And it really, really was a big difference. And so I embarked, and this is my main emphasis now, this is the class that I have actually been teaching on Noahide Nations. We call it Climbing the Ladder, but the subtitle to it is changing the way we think. We literally have to change the way we think. And suddenly, when we get an understanding of how the universe actually operates and what Hashem actually did and how he runs the universe, and we get that from an unbelievable number of sources within Judaism among the sages, your whole world changes. The whole concept of what it means to keep a commandment changes. Everything changes. 
And this has made an unbelievable difference in the classes that I'm teaching. So this is my first, uh, my, my first Torah topic that I am dwelling on now with people, is literally changing the way we think. What good does it do to stu- for us to study the sages, and yet we're not thinking like the sages? We don't have the same mm-hmm. mindset, and, and yeah. we're coming from, a, from an entirely different kind of background and an entirely different way of thinking. Let's tackle the thinking issue, and then all of a sudden, every word that the sages give to us, every word from Chazal, every word of, of the written Torah, it takes on a completely different level. It takes on a completely different, unbelievable, it's just unbelievable. And so this is my main thrust now, changing the way we think. <laughs> well, I, I know, Sam, even even for people who have been Noahides for years and years and years, the task that you're talking about, changing the way you think, is probably the one of the most difficult things to do. Because yeah, we want to be able to, we want to manage God. We want God in our box because right. we feel better if we're able to manage him rather than allowing him to manage us. Right. Uh, and it is a very, very difficult concept, and it's even more difficult to actually implement it into our lives. And, right. I, and I think this, this whole idea you mentioned earlier that we have to be patient, and I always respond, well, if I, if I needed patience, I'd be a doctor. I, I don't need <laughs> patience. I'm not a doctor. But I, I, I certainly sympathize with the need to have some patience along the way because even we, even as the, the, the rabbis are learning, we too must learn how to shed this baggage of, of managing God and putting God in, in our box and, right. and break those walls down, which your class uh, is, is phenomenal for doing that. And even then, it's still difficult. And, and you've got right. a, there's a book that you use to teach this class. It's uh, titled by the same name of the class. Uh, I should say the class is titled the same as the book called Climbing the Ladder. And it is. A, yeah, I think the actual name of the book is "In the Shadow of the Ladder." Yes, yes, sir. That's yeah. that's what it is. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, Which is basically basically that that whole thing is just learning learning uh, the introduction to the study of the Zohar and the introduction to the study of the Ten Sefirot from a great great Kabbalist of of the 20th century, uh, Rabbi Yehuda Lev Ashlag, uh, also known as the Baal HaSulam. And uh, he's not teaching people. You know, some rabbis would already be flipping out by now. Right. Oh, he's teaching people <laughs> secrets of the Torah. Right. That's not what he's doing. He's he's actually. In fact, he he states there no book that has been written on Kabbalah is actually giving anyone the secrets of the Torah. Uh, don't worry about that. But he really is uh, just bringing out to us what is the most important aspect. He's not diagramming things out. You know, a lot of people who study Kabbalah suddenly they can diagram uh, every level of the universe but they still haven't changed the way they think. Yeah, uh, yeah that's a problem. <laughs> you know, they're still thinking of things in a totally idolatrous manner, that uh, all of these things uh, that they're diagramming out are powers that act independently the, of us. They're, they're just sort of altering their form of idolatry. To, to that's exactly right. They're, right. Adding, they're just adding more detail to it is all. Yeah. But Rabbi Yehudah Lev did the world a great favor in these two introductions that he writes. He, he basically brings to us what are the most important things if you spend an entire life studying studying Kabbalah, studying Torah, and trying to keep the commandments, what are the most important things that we should learn from that? And he brings that out, and it's absolutely revolutionary if a person uh, has has the uh, chutzpah to tackle it. This is, I, I'm, I'm telling you, I, I've done this for so long, and I know that uh, that this idea of changing the way that we think, and, and you know, 
I wish some of those some of those uh, Jewish people and some of those Noahides that attack us, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. I mean, they're <laughs> relentless. They're relentless in their attacks upon us, and they are extremely angry people. Uh, they they need to look uh, they need to look in the in the Zohar in uh, the portion of Tetzaveh this last week's Torah portion where Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai says anger is without a doubt a sign of idolatry in other words of idolatrous thinking mm. because what did, where, where does anger come from we think it, we get angry when think people are doing things that we think they shouldn't be or our things aren't going our way, and once again, everything hinges upon our perception of God's divine providence, of the way Hashem is running the world. And suddenly, we get angry because we, at the bottom line, is we think something is acting independently from Him, and that He is not in control, or that if He is in control, He made a bad decision. This is where anger comes from, and uh, this is a form of idolatry in and of itself. So uh, well, that's that's just one of the sidebars that that you can actually get a hold of. Well, I can't uh, help of studying this level. I can't help but agree with you on uh, the the whole anger thing. And uh, interestingly enough, anger is is really truly a, a simple emotion that can be provoked. Oftentimes, I feel it can be provoked far more quickly than even happiness. Right. And it's very sad for for me and and you know people like you and and others who uh, continually have to endure these attacks on our character, on our organization, on, uh, on who, who we are. And, yeah. uh, you know, I, th- I guess it's inevitable because I have a feeling that Avraham, in his time, it wasn't liked by a whole lot of people either. I and, can promise and, you. I can promise <laughs> you. Nimrod tried to have him killed on right. more than one occasion. That's so. right. right. So, you know, the sages say something very interesting about Avraham in one place. They say, Avraham was truly alone. And, and this is very interesting because that is the truth. He was truly alone. Uh, you know, that's one of the things I, I hear a complaint, you know, from a lot of people who come to the status of B'nai Noach, come to this way of thinking and believing in service of Hashem. And they, they will call me and tell me, but I'm so alone here. There's nobody else. And I said, well, you're in very good company because yeah. this is Abraham Avinu. He right. was totally alone. Even though he was making souls, even though he was sharing sharing this outstanding revelation that there is only one God in the universe and he runs everything. He was he was making souls. Still Abraham was alone. Yeah. Well and and I think part of my frustration uh, lies in the fact that many of these attacks come from uh, people who were just like I was. I mean we all sat in the right. same pew at one point or another. And we all right. came out of this. It kind of reminds me of the uh, the smoker who has smoked for many, many, many years, and now he has quit. And now that they've quit, every smoker on planet Earth is the is demon evil. They're the and, enemy. Exactly. That's, well, you know, this is a phenomenon that we actually, I'm sure we don't have enough time to talk about uh, probably it. Probably not. This is a stage, I think, that many B'nai Noach go through, is a stage of anger, because they think uh, Christianity deceived them or, or other things. But... And it's an understandable stage. Uh, sometimes you have to destroy, you know, even down to the very foundation, everything that you were before. But other times it may be preferable to just get out of that house instead of rebuilding the house you're in, get out of it and go and build a new one yeah. and be happy about it. But I understand that it's a stage sometimes that people have to go through. But then the, the reason that they're angry, again, we come back to this, is because they are thinking incorrectly. And if they really want to please Hashem, 
if they really want to be able to benefit others, which these are the, are the major tasks that each and every one of us has, whether we're a Jew or a non-Jew, whether we're Jew or B'nai Noach, is to please Hashem and to benefit others, then we, we have to get rid of this, these angry aspects. We have to move on from there uh, and, uh, and move on in the Torah. And, you know, the great Rebbe Nachman used to say, Simcha Gedolah, Liyot Besimcha Tamid. It is a great mitzvah to be in joy at all times. <laughs> and this is one of the greatest greatest of all the mitzvot, is that we should be in joy at all times. Well, you know, so, Sam, it's, it's funny you, you, you mentioned about the, the anger. And I know for me, when I, I first hit me like a ton of bricks that I was a, a Noahide, in fact, I didn't even know that's what they called it, but coming to the realization uh, that Christianity is a false religion, I too uh, went through a real roller coaster ride. I mean, there were days I was so angry I had to get up and walk away from the book, and then there were other t- days I was I was on my hands and knees just crying. And, but the thing that I never did was attacked other people. And right. I think that's the single biggest thing that a lot of people need to uh, to get a hold of their emotions that hey, we didn't do it. We came from the same place that you did. And, yep. and I think it's important that, to understand that, yes, I'm going to be angry. Yes, it's going to be a roller coaster ride. Uh, yes, I have to deal with my family. Yes, I have to deal with my friends. But, my gosh, there is no sense at all in bringing it to a, let's say, public platform, if you will, to be, you know, assassinating the characters of people. Oh, for- this is, I'm going to tell you, I'll tell you something, right? We don't really have time to talk about it. <laughs> We don't. But if we actually get in get into what the sages teach about about the concept of wickedness of, of Rasha in Hebrew, wickedness, we'll be very surprised to learn what it is. It's actually exactly what you're talking about right now. Being extremely angry, pointing the finger at others, taking a rod and beating them it doesn't mean physically, it means character by character assassination, by all of these other things. This is what actually wickedness really is, the Hebrew concept of it. And we learned this uh, in, in the study of uh, the soul level of the Torah. Uh, we learned that this is what's behind all wickedness, is actually this judgmental attitude towards others, this pointing the finger at others, this trying to destroy other people's lives. That is wickedness. Well, so I know I'm really going out on a limb there and probably ticking a whole lot of people off, but so be it. Well, uh, that makes a lot of sense, sorry. though, and, yes. and it, I think it's very relevant. No, I'm very sorry, but those are those are straight words from the sages of Israel that that really is what the quality of wickedness is. Well, and sometimes the truth hurts because if you do something about that truth, it takes us out of our comfort zone. Well, right. We have to change. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. People resist change at all costs. (laughs) Even if it's the best thing for them, they they resist it. But That's right. uh, uh, and who knows? Maybe you know, in a, in a later date, we can you know carry on with a discussion of no, of that sure, type. That would be nice. Um, it's amazing to be able to speak with somebody like you. In fact, let me ask you this question: Have you ever had any success with getting a Christian to become a Noahide or a Messianic who you know maybe converted to Judaism? Did oh, of any of these folks? Did you ever call them names or, or trash them? I mean, does that actually work? No, absolutely not. Okay. In fact, I don't even I don't even actually approach the, any class that I'm teaching, no matter who's sitting in it, that I'm going to convert these people or even change them. I, I just want to teach them these principles from the Torah, these to, to be able to change the way they think. But I certainly never, you know, I don't even do that, you know. And uh, God forbid that I would ever ever do such a thing. 
I don't even do that to people who are sworn enemies of mine. I mean, who would who would really like to uh, to uh, see me go down the drain? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't even speak badly of them. I mean, I've got I've got all kinds of questions. I'm just busting out here, Adam. Adam, <laughs> do you do you have uh, another follow up question, or can I jump back in? Well, 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 look at this, Ray. Look at this. Rebbe Nachman said, every human being, no matter how bad he is, they have a good point. And focus on the good point and gather the good points. There's a huge teaching here. And that's what we need to do. Even, even with those people who are angry, even with these people who are really being wicked in the things that they are saying about you and saying about the Noahide movement and saying about some of the rabbis involved in the Noahide movement, we even need to look at them and see the good point in them and not, get, not even get angry back at them. Well, let me ask you a a question kind of away from this. I think at the core of of, of a a great deal of what we're talking about today, and that is, is that Israel is said to be a light to the nations. What does that mean? Well, I hope that uh, I and some of the rabbis that uh, I'm involved with, that that's what we're trying to do. It it really is. The whole context of this entire show has been what that has been about. Sharing with the the entire world, with Jews and B'nai Noach, the concepts of the Torah, the teachings of the Torah, that together we make this world. The Jewish people do it by bringing the light of Hashem, meaning the light from the Torah. And the B'nai Noach help us in that process by making this world an unbelievable place and supporting and protecting the Jewish people so that we can do this. That we make this a place where Hashem, He wants to dwell here. He wants to dwell in this lowest of all the worlds, in this physical world. And this is what we're doing, and this is what it means. What it means to be a light to the nations is not that, not that I tell you, you know, Adam Penrod, you're a B'nai Noach, so you don't know nothing, and you can't have any input in this, and all of these things, and I'm going to tell you what it is. That's not really what's being light to the nations. What's being light to the nations is me, as a Jew, trying to make available to you and to be able to teach you and connect with you and guide you in the study of the Torah and in your own spiritual growth and bringing you close to Hashem. At the same time, being a B'nai Noach takes a level of humility because that is not the mission of B'nai Noach. You understand what I'm saying in the sense mm-hmm. of making halakha or in the sense of uh, that's like what, the, what does the Rambam say? He says you, you can't establish your own religion. You can't right. come with your own interpretations to the Torah. It has to be from the sages of Israel. Right. So we have to work together in this. I can't be a light to the nations unless you help me. You can't help me unless I stand up and be a light to the nations. It's like a body with clothes, the way the Ramchal puts it. And I don't want to be naked, and you don't want to be clothes without a body. Well, and I think that's probably a great place to leave it, Sam. And, and okay. uh, we were right about this. An hour definitely isn't long enough. And <laughs> I look forward to one day having another interview with you. In that's the meantime, we're going to have to say goodbye. It's certainly been an okay. honor and a pleasure to have you with us. We want to wish you well in all of your work, and I'm praying for Hashem to provide a thousand more people just like you. I mean, well, I hope awesome. not just like me. <laughs> this <laughs> might be a problem, but at least at least a thousand other Jews who will bring the light to the nation. That that would be wonderful. Amen. So Amen. let's go ahead and wrap it up. Again, folks, it's been great to have you with us because you are what makes this all possible and all worthwhile. From my co-host Adam Penrod and myself, we'll see you next week. And in the meantime, always look to the heavens for your strength in Hashem, because I assure you, He is always looking out for you. Shavuot Tov. We'll see you again next week here on Noahide Nations, right here on IsraelNationalRadio.com. Shavuot Tov.
Just because you're getting older doesn't mean you have to stop being active. Frequent trips to the bathroom are a thing of the past with Priso Branda Puntamol, the miracle development from Israel's cactus flower. If you are a man suffering from prostate or urinary problems, or a woman suffering from incontinence or cystitis, Priso can help with its natural remedy made from the puncha flower. Don't just suffer, get Priso. It really helps. For more information, visit Priso.com. That's P-R-I-S-S-O dot com. For the past 40 years, Baruch Nachshon has been creating his colorful paintings in the holy city of Hebron. There's nothing like his paintings. His paintings are one of a kind. Now the picture of your dreams can be in your living room. Click on www.nachshonartstore.com and Baruch's symbolic, surrealist, visionary creations can be yours. You have golden hands, you use them. And he has golden hands. Baruch Nachshon lithographs, posters, books, and more. Bright colorful, intense visions of Hebron, Jerusalem, and other Jewish themes. That's www.nachshonartstore.com Borch Nachshon is a genius in his work. <laughs> Hi, this is Woody Woodpecker, and I always listen to Israel National Radio. Your connection to Israel. Israel National Radio The popular voice of the people of Israel 